Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, fantastic. Hey, I'd like to welcome some uh, visitors here today for your first time here uh, at Love City Church. My name is Ryan, and I want to say thanks for coming today. And uh, we have a gift for you. But uh, we have uh, our team night last night. We talked a little bit about some new things that are happening in the church, and I wanted just to bring them to your attention uh, as we've spent a lot of time praying, considering, thinking about uh, our church and just some really cool stuff. So if it's your first time here today, or maybe you're a visitor and not, this isn't your home church, just uh, uh, bear with me for a f- just a few moments as I share a few thoughts, really good stuff happening. And if you're, this is your home church, we just want to bring you up to speed on some really cool things and our church. And so we've done a lot of consideration and prayer about our service times and done a lot of research and a lot of consideration talking with our elders and different people. And one of the things we want to do in our church is we want to create more space, more opportunities for people to be able to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be a part of a great community. And as we continue to grow as a church, we want to create space for uh, more worship experience opportunities. And so one of the ways we can do that is that we, uh, we are going to be shifting one of our service times. Uh, this service time starts at 10 o'clock. And on August 11th, we'll be shifting our service time from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Some of you are like, Hallelujah. Thank you for those of you who are like, I love sleep, so come on, Jesus. So based on your response, there's many of you that love that. You say, well, what about all of us who like to go to church early? Our heart would be, uh, as we continue to grow and create space for more people to uh, be a part, it takes you inviting people to come to church and handing out our sermon cards, and uh, we want to create more space for that. And so uh, our heart would be either to start a, a 930 service in the future, uh, maybe in January of 2020 or sooner. Uh, maybe there'll be a Saturday night service. Who knows? Maybe a Saturday night service. We don't know yet, but we know for sure we will be moving to 11 a.m. starting August 11th, and uh, that is just a strategic way for us to create more space for more growth and more opportunities for more people. Also, for those of you who are uh, have young people today, the grade five are graduating into out of uh, our kids ministry and into the big kids ministry, which is us, and uh, they're going to be joining us. They're graduating today, and uh, one of the shifts we're making there is our pursue night, which is a one hour of worship and prayer. Has been at my house for two and a half years and now we've decided that we're going to move that pursue night to this location on Wednesday nights right in the lobby there we're going to set up a nice little area for worship and prayer and as well the youth uh, the young people I had slides here the young people will move from uh, from Tuesday night to Wednesday night here at Third Academy and the goal in that is because we're working on trying strategically to um, minimize the, um, the, the days and the time that you have to be engaged, but we want to make sure that those times that we do provide, you can lean in more. You can give more to less. The difference between good and great is great. You do a few things great. Good is you do a lot of things okay. We want to do, we want to do things great at our church. And so one of the things we're trying to do is create more space for you to lean in, but maybe look at how we're doing things and make sure that we are uh, not uh, requiring an expectation of overcommitment. And so one of the ways we'll do that is move our Tuesdays to Wednesdays, have our pursuit night here. That way folks in the north who want to come can come to that central location. So there's people in the room giving me the eye like, we love you, Ryan. Fantastic. Well, we're going to get in the Word today. We love the Bible. We've been in a series uh, talking about the power of routine. We'll be in this week. Next week, I'm going to talk about um, uh, something that the, uh, I went through a, a, a large uh, season of my life dealing with areas in my own life. Uh, and I, I gathered seven different ways in my own life through experience, seven ways to get you unstuck. 
Now, next week's a holiday, and I imagine there'll be people traveling, but if you're in town, come to church next Sunday, because I'm going to be talking about seven different ways to get you out of a rut, seven different things to get you unstuck and get freedom going in your life, and I experienced it in my own life, uh, and then we'll start our Ruth series the week after that. It's going to be fantastic, but today, we're going to talk a little bit about this power of routine and I'm going to kind of walk you through a verse that struck me as I was reading in the life of Jesus. Uh, but before we get there, I've, I've been reading a book, and Jesse, our, our intern, has been reading this book as well. It's called The Power of Habit. You might want to write it down, Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do. His name is Charles D-Hug, uh, D-U-H-I-G-G. And this, this book basically talks about the science of habit, the science of routine. And we'll just spend a few moments talking about this and then we'll get into the Bible. But the idea of this book is that there's a, every one of us has a keystone, they're called keystone habits or keystone routines. And the idea is, is that when you have an objective in your life, when there's something that you want to accomplish in your life, whether it be uh, pay off financial, uh, you know, financial freedom or restoration in your marriage or different uh, maybe behaviors, you want to lose weight, you want to exercise, there's all these different things that we can do when it comes to losing weight and exercising. You know, there's about 50 things you can do. You know, you read the blogs, 50 ways to get yourself healthy in two days. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so much to do. Keystone routines are things that we do that are, are like a, a domino effect. If you can get these few routines in your life, there's a domino effect. Naturally, your life will begin to have habit and routine that'll be a natural response if you can figure out what these keystone or important routines are in your life. And what they do is they start a chain effect. They, these routines lead to better habits, better routines. They will, you'll see fruit in your life. If you can stop doing so many things differently and focus on the most important ones, find the most important keystone routines in the areas of your life. My wife and I were talking about this and she said, well, that's how I've managed to, you know, exercise and stay fit and, and you know, we don't wait and different things like that. She said, I don't do a bunch of things. I just do a few keystone routines and naturally my body responds and I find myself naturally doing things that I want to do because I was routined in the right areas, not routined in everything, but routined in the keystone areas of your life. And so, the, um, if, you know, so today I want to talk about that idea, this keystone idea. And I want to look at you know, a teachings of Jesus. And Jesus uh, made these comments, and I felt they were very valuable and important for us as followers of Jesus. Uh, uh, so if I asked you today to describe your house to me, describe your home to me, I imagine that you would tell me about where it is, the color of your house, you would identify the design of your house, the square footage of your house, what part of the city you live in, the size of your lot maybe. Maybe you would talk about the number of bedrooms and the number of bathrooms. Can you imagine if uh, we took the time to talk about our foundation of our home? You said, Ryan, tell me about your house. Well, I got a really nice foundation. It's really long and big and it goes deep and it's wide. We don't often talk about the very foundation of our home. And we find that foundations are vital to anything in our lives, anything that you want to do in your life, your foundation for your marriage, the foundation for your finances, the foundations of your life are so vitally important, but we often don't put much attention on our foundations. We put a lot of attention on a lot of other things, and we look at other areas of our life that are successful or fruitful. But I want to encourage us today, we're going to go back down to some foundations, look at some foundation in your life. So we look at Matthew chapter 5, 1. 
And it says this, One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. So here we see Jesus. He goes up on the side of a mountain above everybody else. The disciples gather around and kneel down before him, and the disciples sit at Jesus' feet to lean in. There was probably thousands of people there that day, and they were probably gathered all around the mountaintop there to kind of stand at a distance to see what Jesus was going to teach. They want to see what, if he's going to do a miracle. They've heard about this guy named Jesus. They're standing at a distance. But the disciples came, all those who uh, believed that Jesus was God and that Jesus was Messiah, those who wanted to make a decision to follow after him, they gathered around at his feet, and they were ready to hear this, this word from Jesus as he leaned in, and he wanted to teach them something very, very important. And Jesus began to teach what we call today the Beatitudes. He sat around these uh, different people and began to teach basically what it really means to have a relationship with God. What does it look like to have a relationship? Now, a majority of these people were Jewish individuals who had years and years and years of tradition, of religion, of certain ways of getting uh, in God's presence, the, the incense and the sprinkled blood, and they had all 660 some odd commands and laws that they had to fulfill. And so Jesus was sitting in front of a bunch of people who, who had a religious mindset, had a religious idea of God. Some of them were followers of Jesus. Some of them were just professed followers of Jesus. All sorts of people in the room. And Jesus began to teach what it looks like, the very core of what it means to have a relationship with him to ultimately have a relationship with the Father. So he taught all sorts of stuff. He taught about salt and light and about how we are the light of the world. And he taught about God's laws and how he came to fulfill the laws of God. And all of the laws were culminated into Jesus Christ. He talked about anger. He talked about how the law said that if you're, you're angry and you murder someone, he, he said, this, I want to go deeper than that. If you, in your heart you're angry with someone, in your heart you have unforgiveness in your heart, he says you've sinned. It's not just about the action of it. It's a, about your heart. He goes about forgiveness. You just forgive 70 times 7. He says in the scripture that if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. He goes through lust and says, your law said that if you sleep with a woman or sleep Sleep with your neighbor, your neighbor's wife. He says, now I say that if you look at a woman lustfully in your heart, in your heart, you have committed adultery in your heart. Down the line, Jesus begins to talk about revenge and servanthood and generosity and helping the needy, prayer, fasting, money, possessions, desires of the heart, anxiety, worry about life, money, finances, divorce. He talks about all of these things, prayer, fasting, giving, all the way down, Jesus takes this entire two chapters, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, and gives us a picture of what it looks like to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. He goes through every area of your life. And then Jesus comes to the very, very end of his sermon. He's finalizing his sermon. He comes to the very end. He's about to land the plane. James comes up on the guitar, starts playing the end of the service. Everyone's feeling the emotional side of it. Ooh, I like this. I like the atmosphere. And the pastor gets up. Jesus gets up. And he's about to land the plane. He brings the culmination, the last final point of the story. After three chapters, probably four to five hours of Jesus sitting there teaching and the disciples leaning in. And here Jesus comes down to land the plane to give something that was most, the vi I think it was some of the most vital things he said. He says, listen, I've taught you what it looks like to serve God. I've taught you what it looks like to have a relationship with him. I've taught you what it looks like to be right before the Lord. But now I want to land the plane and teach you what the most important thing of all 
he culminates into this final thought. And he comes to our key text today in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to 49. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So Jesus ends this entire uh, amazing, some, probably one of the best, probably the best sermon ever preached. And he culminates it with, he makes up a story about two men. He says, I want to bring the whole thing down to one picture for you so that you can fully understand everything that I've said down into one simple analogy, down to one story. I've got a story about two different men. One man decided to build his house on a solid foundation and one man decided to build his house on a sandy, on, on the earth, on a sandy with no foundation. He says, and I want you to see what it looks like for those who build their house on the rock. This is the results of their life. But for those who build with no foundation this will be the result and he says i want you to know that everything i said culminates down to this one very moment both men wanted to build a house both men wanted to have a, a great place for their family both men wanted to have a great location to be in both men wanted all of the things that comes with owning your own home they wanted all of these environments but only one man thought through what it meant to have something that lasted his whole entire life a foundation. In our society today, we all want to live life to the fullest, don't we? I want to live life to the fullest. Ecclesiastes said, Solomon said, I, I, my, 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 I finally come to the end of it all. I've slept with all the women. I've done all the drugs. I've drank all the alcohol. I've traveled the world. I've done everything you could think of as the, one of the most wealthiest men that ever lived. And he said, my conclusion is this. We are supposed to eat and drink and be merry and fear God and obey his commands. He said, it all boils down to this one reality. Eat some good pasta, drink some good wine, hang out with some good people, follow God, fear him, follow his commands, and you will live the life that God intended for you. But after all these things, I know that I want to live my life to the fullest. I want to live my life to the fullest of what God has for me. And in our culture today, it's easy to build our lives on so many different things. It's easy to build our life on popular culture. What's popular today? Some people think that, the, 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 that I'm just going to do what this person is doing. It's popular now, but it won't be popular tomorrow. The things that we find popular in our cultural society that seems to be the hot topic, trust me, it won't be popular tomorrow. And so the popular culture would say, basing my life on popular culture is like building my house on a constantly moving foundation. Now, maybe we build our house on tradition, and this can actually be pretty good. In most cases, tradition is good. But, uh, but the reality is, is that tradition becomes, it, become, it doesn't last forever. 
Eventually, it can become obsolete. Eventually, it can become like a sacred cow in your life where you're so stuck on this tradition or this idea of how you're going to build your life that it no longer has validity for the day and age that we live in and it no longer has power for you. It had power for your parents. It had power for your grandparents. But there's a different foundation that you have to build on. Maybe it's reason. Maybe you want to build your life on reason. And God gave us the ability to reason. And reason is important. But in Proverbs chapter 16, 25, it says there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Sometimes even our reason can falter. Or maybe we want to build on emotion. I know I've built my life on emotion. It's my foundation on emotions a lot of times. My foundation's built on how my life's going or how my marriage is going or how my finances are going or how life's going or, man, this whole world's coming to an end. Look at all the stuff that's going on. And I build my foundation on emotions when my emotions, as you know, are the biggest liar on the planet. We build our lives on emotions. And popular culture changes and traditions grow stale and reasons can be faulty and your emotions lie, yet God's word never changes. It doesn't work to build your life on popular culture and tradition and reason and emotion. So God's word is the only thing that has stood the test of time to continue to be the moral authority on life and continue to give us a firm foundation in which if you build your life, you will be like this man in this story who built his house upon a rock that when difficulties and hardships come in your life, you will not collapse and you will not fall because God's word prevails through everything, through tradition, through reason, through emotion for thousands of years. It has been the standing point of history that the Bible, the moral truth of the scripture is something you can build your life on and it will last for eternity. So Jesus here is trying to identify something and I want you to notice in our verse it says, Lord, Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord? He's talking to people who have made a, a confession of faith with their mouths, saying people who've said, I want to follow God. Some of you here today might call that God Jesus. Some of you today might say, I don't know what it is. Some of you today might call it Buddha or Allah or I don't know what that is. We believe, we believe the Bible teaches that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and the only way to the Father. And so that's the premise we're standing on today. But maybe you're here today and you've made a profession of faith and you've made a, a moral decision to follow after the Lord. But Jesus here is saying, okay, listen, I'm showing you two types of disciples. Lord, Lord. And he says, yet you don't do what I say. And Jesus comes to this place here where he says in the message paraphrase, these words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. They're not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. So I want to give you three things, three routines, and I just got to be honest with you, they're super simple. So they're not, gonna, they're not rocket science, but sometimes I think the things that are the simplest are the things we don't do. And I want to encourage you today to consider the things I'm sharing with you, three things we see through this scripture that we need to make routines in our life. If you want to have a firm, solid foundation that will last, what are the differences between those who built their lives on the rock and those on God's word and those who had no foundation? Yet, I want you to notice, the individual who had no foundation still professed Lord, Lord. It's a very important distinction. Majority of the people in the room here today are followers of Jesus. Majority of the people in the room today are followers of Christ. One of my responsibilities as a pastor is to feed you the word of God and to teach you scripture and to teach you the truth and to help you understand that what it looks like to be somebody who actually is a radical follower of Jesus Christ. So here we see three things. Firstly, very simply, the person that builds their house on the rock routinely reads and obeys God's word. I know you say, Ryan, what are we in, what are we in youth group? Well, sure, we're in youth group today. 
routinely reads and obeys God's word. Look at this, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. I'm sorry, the next verse in Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Look what Philippians says, Philippians 2, 12. What I'm getting at, friends, is that you should simply keep on doing what you've done from the beginning when I was living among you. You lived in responsible, uh, responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, I'm left. Keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. I want you to know something about following God. And if you've been following Jesus at any time, you'll know that following God's word is not always easy. How many of you know that sometimes you read something in Scripture and it, 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 the Lord convicts you to do something, maybe it's an anger, maybe it's, maybe it's uh, how much you're drinking, maybe it's how you're spending your money, maybe it's uh, how you are as a spouse, and the Lord convicts you, and the last thing you want to do is stop doing that thing that you've been doing. The last thing you want to do is start serving everyone around you. <laughs> last thing I want to do is confess I was wrong in that area and repent of my sin. Last thing I want to do is admit that I got a problem. How do you know sometimes I, there's a season of my life, literally, where I put my Bible on the shelf and it literally collected dust because I knew that if I read that book, it's going to convict me because I know my life is not where God wants it to be. Because I knew the moment I opened that scripture, my life won't line up with what the scripture says and I need to begin to do some work in my life to get align myself to God's word in my life. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. I ain't going to lie to you. It's not always a cup of tea. It's not always fun but there's something, there's something powerful about the routine of reading your Bible and being obedient to it. There's something powerful about it. Look at this in James. You guys all know this verse. Most of you would. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't, don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully to the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Another verse says in the New King James, you will be prosperous in everything that you do. Hello. I mean, I don't need to pay $59.99 a month for six months. I get just, just obedience to God's word and I am prosperous in everything that I do. You hear that? Man, we should build a whole business around that one. Just kidding. <laughs> like, wow, this is... The promise of Scripture is, is that when we are obedient to God's Word, not just out of duty and law, but because we are so in love with God. I'm so in love with Jesus, that Jesus is my desire to learn what pleases you. Man, if I was in a relationship with my wife and I had no intentions of doing anything that pleased her, that would be a terrible marriage. Some of you are doing that today. Oh, that's why my marriage sucks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Jeez. Take it easy. Imagine if I never wanted to please my wife. I never wanted to serve my wife. If I just did the dishes, which is probably true, just because she tells me to. I do do that. I'm sorry. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. 
But I do these things because I love her. I do these things because I want to honor her. I serve my children and I, I care for my kids and I take them to school and take my son camping and I serve them and pick stuff up after them and, and around them. Not because I'm a duty. It's because I'm in love with my kids. I, I, I follow God's word and obey God's word and I'm not perfect at it as you know if you spent two seconds with me. But I try my best to follow God's word not because it's duty or religion but because I want to honor God because I want to love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. And man, I'm a big screw up and I screw this thing up so much worse than you like I'm such a screw up but guess what God is so faithful and he's so gracious and he's so loving that as I try to serve him with all my heart mind soul and strength I find oh my gosh I'm beginning to succeed there's some prosperity God's beginning to bless my life I'm beginning to see joy and peace and love there's relationship my wife's doing awesome things are going good life's beginning to take a turn because I made a commitment that I'm going to have a routine in my life of reading and obeying God's word. Now it's really interesting because both of these individuals knew what, what God was asking them to do. They both knew, these both disciples knew how to build the house. They both had the opportunity with the same building tools. They had the same custom home plans. They had the same time. They had the same money. They had the same effort. One made a personal decision to not build on a foundation. Notice in this verse, he doesn't give any uh, leg up on either one of these men. They were both individuals who said, Lord, Lord. They were both individuals who said, God, I want to follow you. God, I want to give you my life. One made a conscious decision to not read and obey God's word. One did, and the scripture teaches that when life hits you hard, the person that has God's word as their foundation will prevail and endure through the difficult circumstances of the life. Those who do not have a firm foundation on God's word, I prayerfully say this out of compassion for those in the room, you will not be able to make it in life without an understanding of who God is, whose God character is, how he loves you, how he wants to uh, benefit your life and bless your life, how good it is to serve the Lord, how sweet it is to be among community with one another, how great God's word is and how it benefits your life so greatly. You will find that when you experience death in the family and finances aren't great, and bankruptcy like I've gone through and marriage problems like I've gone through and sin like I've gone through in my life and difficulty of relationship like I've gone through in my life. When those things come, I'm able to look the storm in the eye and say, guess what? I have a firm foundation on God's word. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He's like a man who's planted his, like a tree by the streams of water. When, when, the, when, when heat comes, he does not worry. He, when, he always bears much fruit. When the season's dry, he continues to bear much fruit. I will continue to be a man who has firmly built his life on God's word. And it simply comes by reading God's word and obeying God's word. Second one here this morning. The person that builds their house on the rock routinely studies God's word. Now this is different than reading. Now this is a step farther for those in the room who are saying, Lord, Lord, that say, okay, I went from a place, uh, you'll notice, I'll show you in the verse where it shows that the man who said, Lord, Lord, obey God's word uh, and didn't just stop there. There was a deeper reality. Look what it says in the verse. It says that... Um, like the man building a house who, look at this, dug down deep. He didn't just go an inch down and build a foundation. He didn't just, he didn't just read the word and, and obey it, which was good. It's a good start. We need to get there. Start there. Start by reading it. Then we'll get to obeying it. But the next step is to start to study it. 
He's saying, I don't want to study the Word. That sounds terrible. Well, trust me, it does start taking steps towards trying to understand what does that phrase mean, dug down deep. I see here that if I obey God's Word and if I follow in His precepts and I follow His Word, I see that, that I see in Scripture that my life will be blessed. But what does it mean for me to follow after God's Word? What does it mean for me to be obedient? What does it mean for me to dig down deep? What does it mean when it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Oh man, there's four areas of there. And if I could just begin to learn in my life to love the Lord with my heart. What does heart mean? man? What does that mean? Heart. What does heart mean? Study the word. Figure it out. The, the, there's another level of study. And I, I, I debated whether or not to say this this morning. But I feel like I want to challenge you this morning as followers of Jesus to go beyond reading your word and beginning trying to understand the word. There's a difference between reading something and having an understanding of it. I understand that I'm supposed to stop at a stop sign. I don't understand why because I just like to blow right through them. The reason is is because the why is if I don't stop, I'm going to get in an accident. Someone's going to hit me. There's the why. Many of us know we're supposed to stop, but we don't know why we're supposed to stop. Why are we supposed to do these things? Why are we supposed not to talk like that? Why are we not supposed to think like that? Why should I serve my wife to say, why, why, why? As you study the word, you begin to understand more deeply. Your roots and your foundation goes down deeper and deeper. And the reason this man dug down deep, because he knew storms were coming. He knew marriage trouble, it's coming. He knew None of us are absent of sickness in our lives. He knew none of us can run away from the realities of death. He knew none of us can run away from the realities of your plans falling apart when you have that investor that lined up to take that business and they go out and cheat you and do something. No one can plan. Though a man has a plan in his heart, the Lord's purpose will prevail. We have no idea what's going to happen today in our life. The Bible says, worry about today. Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. Just worry about today. So this man knew, tomorrow troubles are a coming. And I've got to prepare my house. I've got to prepare my mind. I've got to prepare my heart. I've got to prepare my soul. I've got to prepare my body, knowing that if I'm going to be a water baptized and make a commitment to serve Jesus, I've got to prepare myself for when the day comes when I'm going to go through a storm in my life. He dug down deep. Now, Ryan Voros is going to just have a heyday here because I'm going to do some... Anyways, uh, Golden Gate Bridge. We get to go here this summer. It's going to be so much fun. If you've never been to the Golden Gate Bridge, it's one of the, it's one of the first places that authorities will go when there's a terrorist attack. The reason is, is because this is uh, it's vital to the Bay Area, this bridge. It's vital to access to a certain island. The, and the Golden Gate Bridge was built over the San Andreas fault line. One of the largest fault lines known to be, uh, as you probably heard, someday people believe California is going to separate from the United States, uh, not on purpose. And this, this San Andreas fault line is built right on top of it. During an earthquake, the bridge is built to sway some 20 feet at the center of its one-mile span. The secret to the bridge's durability, however, lies more in just its flexibility. By design, every part of the bridge, its concrete roadway, its steel railings, its cross beams, it's integrated from one welded joint to the other up through the vast cable system, two great towers, two great land anchor piers, and the towers, which bear most of the weight, are deeply embedded in the rock in the foundation beneath the sea. The Golden, great, Golden Gate Bridge today stands as a picture for what our lives must be like in God's Word. Or maybe you've heard about this place, the uh, Burj Khalifa. 
The Burj Khalifa being uh, opened in 2010 is 828 meters high. It's almost a mile high. Accommodates 12,000 people. It costs 1.5 million to build. It's the tallest man-made structure, at least in the time it was. It has a building with most floors, has the highest elevators, with the fastest elevators, with the tallest structure to include residential space. It's got the highest outdoor observation deck at 100 on the 124th floor, and world's highest swimming pool, the 76th floor. What most attention about this is that it's, its foundation. It be, if it fell over, it would become the world's largest pile of rubble. It took a year just to dig down deep in order for that building to go up. See, we have to be willing to dig down deep. If you want to weather the storms of your life, if you want to weather your stinking emotions who lie to you, I want you to know that. Even though your emotions are good and we value emotion, and I'm an emotional being, trust me, I'm an emotional guy, but your emotions often lie to you. Your emotions lie to you about people. Your emotions lie to you about your situation. Your emotions lie to you about your future. Your emotions can lie to you. And when we build our life on our emotions, on our traditions, on popular culture, it will leave you in a place where you are down. You are knocked down when difficult times come. But we must be like this building and dig down deep in order that when those storms in your life come, you will prevail. You ever spent time with a follower of Jesus? who has uh, terminal cancer. I had the opportunity one time, this young woman was dying of cancer. She had two children. I remember sitting with her, and I just remember, have you ever walked in a room with someone who just loves the Lord, and yet they're dying? If you haven't, there's something just powerful about their perspective on life. And I, I remember going in, and I remember I was a pastor going in to pray for this person, and uh, she was a follower of Jesus. She had two young children. I was their youth pastor. And I said, can I pray with you? I want to pray with you. She goes, no, let me pray with you. And I said, well, no, no. You're, you know, you're going you're gonna to die. Let me pray for you. No, no, no. I want to pray for you. And she prayed the most deep, deep prayers over my life that impacted me greatly. And you want to know why? Because throughout her life, she dug down deep knowing that none of us are void of sickness and death. I hate to say it. I know, oh my gosh, that's a terrible sermon. None of us are void of tragedies and difficulties in our life. I want you to know it just happens. Every one of us in this room can walk around the room and say, I lost a loved one or I faced a difficult circumstance or my emotions said this or my emotions said that. You have to understand today that in order for you to make it through those times, you've got to dig yourself down deep and you cannot take shortcuts. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though the crowds of people do. That's Matthew chapter 7, 13. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for shortcuts. Don't fall for these quick, quick spiritual schemes that just go to that service and be in one worship service, and that's it. You're going to get changed forever. Yeah, there'll be transformation, but it takes a daily commitment to serving the Lord and a daily commitment to digging down deep in our lives. Do you know that Jesus was given a shortcut? Satan took him to the top of the temple and said, listen, just cast yourself down on the side of this temple, and the angels will come and save you. What Satan was trying to do is, is get Jesus to give up going to the cross. He would throw himself off of this temple. The angels would, would save him. It would not be the fulfillment of the prophetic word. And Jesus wouldn't have to go to the cross. He was trying to give Jesus an easy way out. 
we can't have an easy way out. We can't take shortcuts. We have to understand that it's going to take us some time, some effort, some energy. And I know, but that's what partnership is for and community, togetherness and groups and our team nights and pursue nights and our Sunday gatherings and being in community with one another. Third thing is this. The person that builds their house on the rock creates routines that will help continue to build deeper. I want you to notice something that I noticed this early this morning. It says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house, but the other one, but the one who hears my words, and all of us have made a confession, Lord, Lord, and that was it. Your house is built. I want to encourage you today to be a person who's constantly building constantly recognizing that in order for you to build the house that God wants you to build and the foundation he wants you to build on, it takes, it takes daily effort. It takes every single day being committed to following Jesus, being committed to him, following after him, giving our lives to him, going deeper in him, wanting to know him better. Look at this verse in John 15. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So as I end, as I end this morning, I want to just point out one thing as we end our time. This whole thought, Jesus teaches all these things about what it means, adultery and sickness and anger and, you know, just down the line, unforgiveness and I mean, just down the line of our lives, he kind of teaches us how to live. But he comes down to this moment. I just find it really interesting that the way that Jesus brings the exclamation mark on his sermon is to make up a story about two people who are facing tragedy and difficulty in their life. I found that so interesting that Jesus could have made up any story. He could have made up any scenario. He could have made up any single picture of what life looks like for a person who is built on God's word and a person who is not built on God's word, yet Jesus chose to use the idea of tragedy and hardship in your life. How many of you know that when you've been hurt, by hurt by the church, hurt by a girlfriend, hurt by a boyfriend, hurt by a, a, a spouse, when life didn't turn out like you thought, when the business didn't happen like you thought, when something was said or I didn't get to do what I wanted to do or... Your finances fell apart, or your marriage is struggling, or you, you just can't seem to stay in that relationship with that person, or no matter what I do, I, I struggle with areas of my mental state, and just life just continues to come at you and continue to cause problems. How many of you can be a, a testify today and say, yes, Ryan, those are the moments when I most find myself separated from God. When life doesn't work out like I hoped. When I'm mad at a person for treating me incorrectly, when my dad hurt me and I can't forgive him, or whatever the situation or scenario is for you, aren't those the moments when we find ourselves putting our hand up, saying, uh-uh, I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to say, Lord, Lord, but I ain't going any further. Because I was hurt. My emotions were hurt. My body was hurt. That person died prematurely. I've been sick in my body and I've been praying. The Bible says have faith and it's supposed to be healed. Lord, why is my life like this? The way for us to turn that corner with our, with our perspective on life 
is to begin to find yourself reading and obeying God's word, going deeper and studying God's word, and make regular routines in your life to continue every single day doing these things. Because I want to say, sometimes you feel like you're just going through the motions, but what you're doing is you're fortifying your foundation for when that moment comes that the enemy wants to derail you, when life wants to derail you, when relationship wants to derail you, when life starts to create a new reality for you, you can say, no, 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 no. I know what God's word says. I know God is faithful. It doesn't feel like he's faithful to me right now. I know God is faithful because his word teaches me he's faithful. And he's been faithful from generation to generation. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only one that's changing in this whole equation is me. He stays the same. I know that there's many people in the room here today we're in a position in their life where they're sitting in a chair of brokenness and pain and anger and hurt. And it might be angry at a person. It might be angry at God. It might be angry at an institution. And whatever your place of life is right now, I want you to know, we can turn this table. We can turn this around. We can, we can, we can begin together to see God begin to do something in your life and position you in a place where your mind is renewed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now you know God's will for you. Now you're in community and vulnerability once again. Now you can lean into the spiritual gifting God's had for you. Now you can be the person that God's created you to be. Why? Because you recognize that Jesus himself used this analogy at the culmination of his sermon to say, listen, I want you to know a person who builds their life on God's word daily. Those are the people who are going to withstand the difficulties and the tragedies of their life. A routine of that every day. Look at this picture here. This is Hurricane Ike. Hurricane Ike came through in, in, a, in the upper Texas coast. And this is the only house standing. And this man built this house himself. And he went to the, the Florida State and he said, Okay, I want you to tell me, what is how do I build my house to code so that my house can withstand a hurricane? And it says, in this, it say, this is what he said. I built this house myself. I built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two-by-six roof trusses, I used two-by-six roof trusses. I was told that a house built according to code would withstand a hurricane, and guess what? It did. This is a picture of what your life might be like. When everyone around you in your culture and everyone around you in your school and your home is falling apart because life sucks. Because guess what? Life does suck sometimes, doesn't it? And when life just, just is not fun and not great, you will be the house that remains standing because you said, I'm going to build the code of God's word. It said to put up two by six trusses. I'm putting up two by six trusses. I don't like two by six trusses. I'd rather do two by four. It's a little bit more challenging to put it up there. It takes two people to help me, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the work knowing that if I do that, when the storms of life hit me, I will remain standing. Did you stand with me this morning? Come on, just close your eyes for a moment. I want to pray. Every, every week we pray two prayers with every eye closed in this place this morning. Come on, you're in the room today. I'm actually going to make three prayers today, just three asks, three questions. 
First question is you're here today and you're one of those who are saying, Lord, Lord, but maybe your life at this moment right now is not built on the solid rock of God's word. I want you to know it's okay. Many of us fall into this place all the time as followers of Jesus. And I want to just give you an opportunity this morning to just acknowledge by faith, okay, I'm going to turn this tide today. Come on, there we are, close here today and say, Ryan, I want to just make a fresh commitment to be a person of God's word. Would you just place your hand in the air today just so I can see you? I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see who I'm praying for this morning real quick. Come on. Every person says, you know, I want to be a person of the word today. I want to turn this tide today. Amen. Come on, hands all across the room. That's fantastic. Come on, our second prayer today. You're in the room today and you say, Ryan, I, I've fallen away from the Lord today. I was on a journey and I was going down this path and, and the truth is is that I'm just falling away from God. I'm, I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm upset and I just, I, life's hit me and I'm getting knocked over and I just need some prayer today. Come on, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Would you just place your hand in the air and say, Ren, that's me. I just need a fresh, fresh transformation in my life today. I just need to make a fresh start today. Come on, amen. Here's our last prayer today and then I'll pray for you. Come on, every hand download it now for a moment. Keep your eyes closed. You're here today say, Ryan, I'd like to start this journey with Jesus. I am not a Christian. I don't, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And today, I'd like to start that journey. I'd like to start this journey of being a person who's built on God's word and a person who's experiences the fruit that comes from that. Come on, you're here today and you'd like to accept Jesus Christ. We count to three and just put your hand in the air real quick and put it right back down and I won't embarrass you. I won't call you forward. Come on, in the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, put your hand in the air real quick. Come on, anybody in the room want to accept Jesus Christ into their lives today for the first time? Amen. Okay, church, let's pray together. But every person in the room, just come on, just place your hand over your heart this morning. I want to pray for your heart. Lord, I pray for those in the room, God. We're far from you. Lord, that one time they had a relationship with you, but things fell by the wayside. Things didn't happen like they thought. And so now, Lord, they, they've fallen away and they want to start a new journey with you today. And I pray today, God, that you would just captivate their heart today, Lord. And then as they start this journey, they would understand the Lord. Yes, it's emotion. And yes, it's involved in serving you. But God, we have a commitment as well in our lives to say, I will not stop serving the Lord. And I pray today for courage, and boldness, and passion to be able to serve you, Lord, even when things get rough. For those in the room today, God, who just make a fresh commitment to reading their word, God, I pray for a fresh hunger as we place our hands on our hearts this morning. I pray for a hunger for your word, God. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Bible says, you will be filled. So today, God, I pray that as they study about you and as they learn about righteousness and they learn about what it means to be a follower of you, the Lord, you transform their lives. You'd renew their mind, oh God. No longer would they conform to the patterns of this world, but they would be transformed by the renewing of their minds today. Lord, I just pray for the people who lift their hand today to accept you for the first time. Come on, church, will you repeat after me really loud? Come on, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I give my life to you today. I need you badly. Forgive me of all my sin. Make me whiter than snow, Lord. I commit to journey with you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.